With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Writer. I'm your host, as always, Damon Martin. And this week, we have a fun show leading into the next UFC on Vegas card. Excuse me, UFC Vegas card this weekend, headlined by Armin Saruki and taking on Matus Gamrod in the main event. And we will have one half of the co-main event on the show today. Neil Magny is going to join me in just a few moments to talk about his upcoming fight with Shavkat Rachmanov and his uh, constant willingness to take fights that nobody else ever seems to want to take. Uh, That's kind of been Neil's lot in life and his ability to step up when others won't, and he's never one to protect his ranking, so to speak. I love that about Neil. He takes risks where there are seemingly very little reward and never hesitates to do it, and that's a special kind of uh, a badass right there. So we're going to talk to Neil Bagney in just a few minutes. We're also going to talk... Uh, for the first time, actually, on the show, and also my first interview. I'm kind of ashamed that this is the first time I've actually had a chance to talk to this guy, but his fight against Jose Aldo was just announced for UFC 278 on August 20th. I'm excited to speak to Marab Dualishvili, who uh, is one of the top bantamweight fighters in the world, of course, training partner and teammate of the current champion, Aljamain Sterling, and his fight with, Aldo, excuse me, his fight with Jose Aldo uh, should be fantastic. What a matchup that is coming up in August. Great bit of matchmaking right there. And that fight takes place at UFC 278. So we're going to talk to both of them today. Uh, I planned on actually having uh, both Kevin Holland and Josh Emmett on the show today. But unfortunately, travel schedules and things like that kind of interfered doing it on Monday. So I will be speaking to them later this week. So look forward to those interviews coming out on MMA fighting uh, this week or next week. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Real quick on those fights, of course, Josh Emmett picked up a razor close decision over Calvin Cater. And I mentioned this on Twitter and I want to say it again now because, listen, whenever there's a really close decision, we have a tendency to battle or fight over what we believe is the correct decision. I scored the fight 48-47 for Josh Emmett. 
But I guess the larger point I made on Twitter, and I just want to say it again here, is that it was a close fight. You're not wrong if you thought Calvin Cater won. It was a close fight. I could see it 48-47 for Calvin Cater. I thought, and I rewatched it again just to be sure I wasn't, you know, uh, missing anything or in the heat of the moment or also I'm writing during fight night, so sometimes I might miss things here and there. So I always like to rewatch a fight to make sure my score was correct or I feel justified in my score at the moment. And I did. I felt 48-47 was just, but I also understand, depending on how you're looking at the fight, depending on a few key moments in the fight, why you'd score for Calvin Cater. But the, the larger point I want to make here is, is that what Calvin Cater, or excuse me, what Josh Emmett did was, was you know, a great win, big win, uh, and, and deservedly so. But that being said, if you scored for Calvin, you're not wrong. But the big thing is, it's not a robbery. And I'm not saying a lot of people are out there screaming robbery. I, I really haven't seen a ton of that, but I have seen some, you know, some arguments and fights going on back and forth. You know, Josh Emmett came out in his post-fight speech and said, I thought I was going to get screwed. I thought I won four rounds to one. Calvin Cater, of course, said, I thought I did enough to get the decision. He didn't, you know, he didn't go, you know, flipping angry or anything. He, you know, still said congratulations to Josh Emmett and his team. But listen, that's how fighters are supposed to feel. You know, fighters are supposed to feel they, they did enough to win a fight, and especially in the heat of the moment right afterwards, it's not like they sat back after the card spent 25 minutes and just rewatched the fight. They're, you know, in the fight, they're in the moment, and both guys believe they won. And if you believe Calvin Cater won, you're not wrong. I mean, it was a close fight. But I guess, again, the arguments you're getting into justifying those scores, that's fine. You can say you believe one guy won over the other, but nothing's a robbery. It was a close fight. And I think we need to get in our heads sometimes in this sport. While judging can be a problem here and there, uh, you know, when it's a close fight, I don't envy their job. I actually said that in a tweet on Saturday night. I don't envy the judges in this moment because it is a razor close fight and I can't really fault them, whichever way they score. People are freaking out about certain rounds being scored and things like that. Again, I get it. I understand. But at the end of the day, the right or wrong guy winning in this fight is not right or wrong because it was a close fight, a very close fight. A lot of rounds could have gone one way or the other. And that's the difference between 3-2 Cater or 3-2 Emmett. Uh, or 4-1 Cater or 4-1 Emmett. However you want to score it. It was a close fight with a lot of close rounds. And I just, I feel like we need to get that out of our vocabulary a bit in the sport. When we say robbery, there are robberies. Don't get me wrong. There are absolute robberies where a fight comes out and a decision is read and you kind of scratch your head and you're saying, what in the world is going on here? What were they watching? Uh, where were they scoring this fight? All those kind of things. I get it. I've had plenty of those conversations and I'm not opposed to those conversations, but what you don't want to do is when it's a close fight, automatically start screaming robbery uh, because you didn't, you're score didn't jive with what the actual decision was because that's just not the case here uh, also of course we had the disappointment uh on fight day once again donald cowboy Cerrone and joe lozon got canceled bummer there uh such a freak thing to have with joe lozon's knee locking up he couldn't fight understandable and if you know joe lozon we've had joe on the show before joe is not the kind of guy to just say i'm not gonna fight because i'm a little banged up i mean every fighter goes into every fight banged up but it depends on the severity of that whether or not you can you know whether you can actually fight and when you can't walk uh you know he had his cornerman carrying him to his hotel room during the weigh-ins or after the weigh-ins uh pretty clear you can't fight on that uh it's unfortunate and uh, you know it is a bummer i get it dana white said afterwards he's not gonna rebook the fight and you know that kind of sucks but i get it again two times this fight really does feel snake bitten especially the way it's happened you know cowboy falling out the day of the fight the last time 
Lozon falling out the day of the fight the second time. And that's not, you know, that's not weeks before. That's not time to get a replacement. That's the day of the fight two times. This is not ranked contenders fighting for a title shot. This is not a title fight to where you just rebook it. So in this particular instance, I get not rebooking it. It's kind of a bummer. And you hope that both guys get some other version of this. You know, maybe they do Lozon Jim Miller three, which would be a lot of fun. Both of those fights were incredible. I would 100% watch that again. Uh, I don't know, you know, what else is out there for Cowboy. I mean, listen, he's on a bit of a losing streak and he's you know clearly said he probably has a couple fights left. Uh, you know, so whatever they book for him, I hope they find something good. It did feel like this was kind of the perfect fight. And I think that's why everyone was a little disappointed. This one fell apart a couple of times. And then again, we're missing out on ever seeing it. Now it appears, especially with Cowboys saying I only have two fights left. So, uh, maybe the UFC will change their minds. Maybe they'll look for other options and nothing will be there and they'll revisit it. I know Joe, if you go back and listen to my interview with Joe, uh, prior to the first fight booking, he said that, you know, right now he's only taking fights when he wants to. He's only taking fights when he feels like it. He's only taking fights when an opponent is interesting to him. He's got enough other things going on in life that he doesn't necessarily need to fight. Uh, you know, his gym's doing well, financially secure. So he's not in a position where he has to fight every month or six months or whatever the timeline would be. So, you know, we may not see Joe Lozon for a year from now because he may not get offered a fight that really draws his interest. So, uh, it's a bummer really is also, uh, I mentioned, of course, we are going to have Kevin Holland on eventually. I'm going to talk to Kevin Holland, hopefully this week. Uh, boy, oh boy, what an incredible performance. I mean, he just sliced and diced Tim means and then finished with the Darce choke on the ground. You could not ask for a better performance out of Kevin Holland. I mean, that guy has looked incredible. Two fights into welterweight. Now you can argue and say, well, are Alex Oliveira and Tim Means the top of the you know, the top of the food chain in that division? No, they're not. But Alex Oliveira, super tough guy, super tough out. No matter win, lose, or draw, the guy's a tough out. And then Tim Means is as tough as they come. I mean, the guy got shot in the leg and fought like a few months later. I mean, that's just kind of the, the moxie of that guy. Uh, he's not an easy guy to get out of there. You may beat him, but you're not going to beat him, and you're not going to beat him convincingly uh, unless you're really, really good at your job. And I think Kevin Holland at welterweight is really freaking good at his job. Now, he called out Sean Brady afterwards, which is interesting because you would think that, you know, the problems he's had in the past with wrestlers and grapplers, maybe he would stay away from a wrestling heavy, grappling heavy fighter like Sean Brady. Uh, but I loved, I loved the call out because right away he's saying, look, I'm not afraid to, t to take on those kind of guys. And if you look at his speed, his accuracy, his size at welterweight, I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying you can't be out wrestled. I think if you go up against a great wrestler, you can get out wrestled against anybody. You know, if you go up against a, Kamar Usman or, or Hamza Chimaev or one of those guys with that wrestling pedigree or, or Sean Brady for that matter. Uh, there's a chance it's a risk. You, you end up being on your back for 15 minutes or 25 minutes, depending on how it plays out. So not saying that can't happen, but Kevin has looked fantastic. And I really think this is his weight class. I don't know if he's going to become a title contender. I can't say if he's going to beat the, you know, the grapplers of the world, the Michael Kiesas, the Sean Brady's, the, the Usman's, the, the Chimaev's, those kind of guys. But He's going to be a really, he's been a really interesting addition already. And there's a lot of really fun matchups out there for him in this weight class. Uh, the one I'd like to see made, and I don't know that they'll make this just because, um, you know, maybe it's a little too soon or maybe they're not trying to give this particular fighter, a, you know, a, a tougher matchup off a couple losses. But what about Kevin Holland versus Wonderboy? That seems like that would be a really fun fight. I mean, Kevin Holland doesn't need to have a rivalry with an opponent to make it fun. I mean, 
I would say, you know, from talking to Kevin leading into the fight, if you go back and listen to my interview with him uh, back a few episodes ago, Kevin, you know, had nothing but the utmost respect for Tim Means. That was an OG. That was a, you know, that was an old school fighter. And he had a ton of respect for Tim Means, but he went out there and did his business, got a win and, and, and choked him out. Wonder Boy, you can say what you want about Wonder Boy's performance against, you know, Bilal Muhammad. You can say what you want for his performance against Gilbert Burns. But on the feet, you know, Wonder Boy is still one of the most dangerous guys in the world, one of the nastiest strikers in the sport. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I think Wonder Boy and Kevin Holland would be a lot of fun. And, you know, listen, Kevin Holland against a guy like, listen, you know, we just saw Nate Diaz just put out another tweet saying, give me a fight or release me. He wants to, you know, he's been trying desperately to get out of his contract to fight out his contract and be done with it. He wants to move on from the UFC. It's utterly, utterly ridiculous. The UFC can't seem to find him a fight and book him and just let this guy go. I understand he's a star. I understand he's a name. You don't want to let that go. But this this game they've been playing with Nate Diaz is ridiculous. Now, I don't know everything going on behind the scenes, and I understand they tried to make the Chamaya fight. He wasn't interested originally, but then he changed his mind and said, give me whoever. At this point, give him whoever. Kevin Holland, why not? That's a fun fight. Get booked them. I have a hard time believing Kevin Holland wouldn't want to fight in August, September. Give him the fight with Diaz. Get Diaz a final fight. Give Kevin Holland a big name. Uh, and I like that matchup for Kevin Holland a lot. He takes away the size and length and reach advantage from Nate Diaz right away because he's a big, tall, you know, uh, lanky welterweight with big reach as well. So that would be a fun fight. Wonder Boy, Nate Diaz, and I'm not just giving him, you know, matchups that are kind of tailor-made for his style, but have some fun. That doesn't mean you can't give him the Sean Brady fight and he can't do well. He may do great. He may win that fight. I don't know. But there are fun fights out there for him that I think would be really interesting. I think the Wonder Boy fight would be one. I think the Nate Diaz fight would be another. Uh, you know, depending on what happens uh, this weekend, the winner of Neil Magny and Shavkat Rachmanov could be a really interesting matchup. I don't know. Uh, you know, if, if, you know, if Shavkat wins, I feel like he's kind of on a fast track towards the upper part of the division at that point. Uh, Neil is kind of, you know, the guy who's always looming around that top six, seven, you know, in the world, but I think that would be an interesting matchup as well. So I think Kevin's in a good position. He's a veteran. He's been there. He's a really fun fighter to watch, a really fun fighter to talk to. And I think he'd be a really interesting matchup for a lot of guys at welterweight. Uh, again, I like the Sean Brady call out, but. What about Wonder, Wonder Boy or Nate Diaz? Let's see one of those. Let's have some fun. Why not? You know, Dana seems to love Kevin Holland these days. Throw him in there with Nate Diaz. Why wouldn't that be fun? Throw him in there with Wonder Boy. That would be fun. Uh, overall, UFC Austin was an incredible card. Tons of knockouts. Of course, Ricardo Ramos had a big knockout in there. Uh, it, just so many fun fights on that entire card. It was just a blast. Uh, what a great card. And, uh, you know, this weekend's card, uh, a bit more underrated, of course. You got two great prospects in Armin Saruki and, and uh, Matush Gamrot taking on the main event, of course, as I mentioned, Neil Magny and Shafkat Rachmanov at the co-main. Not as, not as stacked, necessarily, but still a fun card, and I really do like that main event. Although, truth be told, a little surprised Magny and, and Rachmanov didn't get the main event slot, but I'm fine with, with Saruki and, and, and Gamrot. Give two up-and-coming lightweights a, a shot to headline a card, and, and one of them get propelled towards that top six and six, six, seven in the world. Nothing wrong with that. So really fun card. And then of course we roll right into that from, uh, from that into UFC 276, which is big pay-per-view, the return of Israel, Adesanya and uh, Alexander Volkanovsky, Max Holloway three, lots of fun fights on that car. Sean O'Malley coming back. So yeah, lots of stuff to talk about, but we'll do a preview show on that next week. But for now, let's talk to the man who will co-headline this weekend's UFC Vegas card against one of the top prospects in the welterweight division, Shavkat Rachmanov. I am always happy to speak to Neil Magny. 
It is always a pleasure to speak to this man. He's one of the top welterweight fighters in the world coming off a big win in his last fight, and he's already got his next one booked because that's just what this guy does. Neil Magny. Neil, <laughs> welcome in. How are you? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you for taking the time for me. As always, of course, I was at your last fight here in my hometown, Columbus, Ohio, coming off a big win there. And as I said, you never waste any time booking your next fight, if all possible. No, not at all. Those long eight-month layovers is not something I'm built for. I'd rather knock them out quick and just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. So let me let me backtrack because, of course, as I said, we talked to you in Ohio. You come off a big win. It was a grueling fight. Super tough opponent. Max Griffin was no joke. And, you know, when the fight got made, Neil, because I think we talked before that fight got made. And, of course, at that point, you were still calling for the fight with Hamzat. That was the one you wanted. It seemed like you were going to get it. seemed like a natural fit. And I like Max Griffin. Let me be clear. Max Griffin's an incredibly tough guy, and he proved it in that fight. He's a, you know, heck of a fighter. Uh, but it, when I looked at it on paper, I was like, I, it didn't make sense to me because, like, where you're at in the rankings, he was an unranked guy. But that's just who you are, Neil. Like, you you don't mind these fights. And, and I got to be honest, you're a guy who does this when, come on, let's be honest. Like, 15 guys in the top 15, I guarantee you there's, like, 13 who would not do what you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 100%. It's one of those things that, like, if I'm going to fault the other guys for not doing something, I can't turn around and do the exact same thing. I was just upset them while doing. I mean, I tried getting a fight with with Luke, trying to fight with Bilal, trying to get a fight with uh, Burns, um, trying to fight with Hamzat, uh, trying to fight with Wonderboy. I tried fighting all these guys who are actually ranked guys, um, and for some reason or another, these fights have not been coming through. Um, and it was a pretty frustrating place to be because at this point, um, going to the Max Griffin fight, I went eight months without a fight, and these long layoffs, um, I think, take it so long. It takes it so mentally and physically. I'm, I'm like. I'm one of those guys who's constantly in the gym. So whether I have a fight or not, I'm constantly training, trying to get better um, and trying to be able to present myself if I was to present myself to like jump in last minute or whatever. Um, so in doing so, um, it, it kind of takes a toll on your body and takes a toll on your mental. I mean, um, trying to stay sharp 80% of the time uh, to be very 100% of the time is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and doing that for eight months, it definitely takes away from being able to um, go out there and peak where you want to. Well, I think we're all so used to you fighting so regularly. Like, of course, you know, you're one of the few people who's ever done, you know, five fights, five wins in the year, all those kind of things. When we don't hear Neil Magny's name for like three months, I'm always like, where's Neil at? What's going on here? Why aren't you fighting? Because we're so used to you being such a regular, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I and mean, I'm right there with you guys. Every time I see these fights being announced, I'm like, oh, man, how can I get that fight? Um, and I might even consider moving up to middleweight at this point. Like, I think I cleared out enough fights at 170. It's time to move up to, uh, to, to middleweight. Um, I even thought that was a possibility at this point in my career. Um, just so I can go out there and keep chasing the girls, keep staying active. Yeah. I say this, and I, and I mean this sincerely, Neil, as a compliment. You know, like you are an incredibly nice guy. You're not the guy who's going to go out there and say crazy things to try to stir up controversy or try to land a fight. You go out there, work your butt off, put on great fights, and, 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 and you win most of them. So you go out there and you prove yourself. But does it ever get frustrating when you're when you're out there and you're like, hey, I want to fight Vicente. I want to fight Bilal. I want to fight whatever. And and you're not the guy who gets called out very regularly. Now, occasionally, you know, you will hear your name, you know, out there. But like when you're trying to get a higher rank guy or a guy even just around you in the rankings within a couple spaces, they don't call your name. Does it ever get frustrating that you're like, hey, why am I not getting these guys? Um, Yeah, I mean, it definitely puts us in a frustrating place. I mean, you see some of these guys that are like, they're ranked in the top five, top 10. 
I rarely ever get called out for, but everyone from like 11 back, like, yeah, Neil Magny, you're going to fight Neil Magny, you're going to fight Neil Magny. Um, they know I'm the guy when they take that fight. Um, the flip side to that, which is what makes it a little less frustrating, is I understand how the fight game works right now. Like all these agents are out there um, trying to do as best for their clients. And um, at the end of the day, if they have more to lose in fighting me, it's not going to be a fight they make for their guys. Like I guarantee you, um, after this fight that I have here in June, a fight with uh, Vicente Luque or uh, Gilbert Burns would be a lot more likely for me because of uh, where they are with the rankings and who they fought recently, where it's like, oh, damn, my hands are kind of tied. I guess I have to fight you now. Um, so it's just one of those things. Like I, It is frustrating not getting the, the fights that I want is when I want them, but um, I didn't have to understand the fight game why it's been out the way that it is. Yeah. On the other side of that, though, like I look at rankings as kind of like a blessing and a curse because like we do our own global rankings at MMA fighting and I, I have fun with it and we do a rankings podcast. You ever listen to it sometime? You can hear me like getting all riled up about people being ranked ahead of other people. It's fun. It's a, it's a fun debate to have. Like I, I admit it's fun to have. On the flip side, and, and, and it is beneficiary sometimes, like when a guy's on a good streak, you can say, man, you're you know third ranked in the world. You should be getting a title shot. I understand all that. The curse side of it, though, is, is because of where we have guys who will protect their ranking. Now, I'm not saying that, like, I I had I had Bilal. I talked to Bilal last week. I talked to Vicente before their fight. I don't think either one of those guys are protecting their rankings. Vicente is a guy who's fought everybody. He's never turned down. I don't think he's ever For turned sure. anyone down either. And I know Bilal, yeah, I mean, he's he's taken, he took fights he probably didn't need to take as well. So I, I'm not saying those guys in particular, but we know there are guys who are protecting their ranking. You know what I mean? They don't want to fight the number seven guy, even if they're number five, because they don't want to fight backwards. They only want to fight forwards. Now, I understand the mentality of fighting forwards, but I also understand, you know, momentum is built and, and you know, and you're a, you're a name. I mean, you are a guy. You've been a top 10 guy for so long. How is beating Neil Magny okay. not, you know, that's a, that's still a very meaningful win. Does it ever just like, I, I don't, again, I don't use the word frustrating, but angry, whatever. Like, it's like people, do you see that happening? Do you see and believe people are out there trying to protect their ranking? Um, For me to protect my own standing, my own peace, I quit caring about the rankings a long time ago. <laughs> um, I stopped caring about the rankings when uh, there was a situation where I believe I was ranked number six or something like that. Um, this was years ago. And um, Donald Cerrone was scheduled to fight uh, Kelvin Gaston, who at the time was ranked number five. And that fight had never, it never came through. It never happened. The fight never took place. I think Kelvin uh, had some, something go wrong with his weight cut where he had to pull out the fight either the day before or the day of, and the fight never fell through. Somehow the rankings came out the next week, and uh, Donald Cerrone found himself in the top five. I built that back to spot, and uh, Kelvin Gaston was at number six, and I'm, oh, <laughs> number five. And I'm sitting or yeah, at number six, and I fell back. I'm sitting there scratching my head trying to figure out, like, wait, how does someone move up in the rankings without? actually fighting i mean I, I can't even understand someone fighting someone who's in this ranks significantly further back um losing the fight and they fall back just a little bit but to not fight at all and somehow jump six seven spots in the rankings i could care about the rankings at that point at that point i was just like you know what if i have a number behind my name sure whatever come and get it like if, you, if someone who's not right wants that opportunity to try to take this number um that, that i have behind my, behind my name by all means come and get it come try to make that fight happen um, for me, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get to that title shot. If it means fighting a, a thousand guys before I get that one highlight reel finish, that's like, oh my God, that was amazing. All right, let's, new fight. let's fight a new fight for a title now. If that's what it takes me to fight for a title, I'll do it. But um, at this point, I quit ch chasing the rankings because like, like you said earlier, it's the most frustrating thing possible. Like um, before the uh, Gilbert Burns fight, I mean, this is a guy who had reached out to me personally, like, hey, let's make this fight happen. And he got word back from... 
his management, whoever they may, they may be, just said, oh, yeah, you're not interested in making this fight. You're not, Neil Magny's not ranked high enough for you. And then turn around and fight the guy who's ranked four or five slots behind me. I'm just like, wait, like, where is the logic here when it comes to rankings? And and what do these things even mean anymore? Um, so, yeah, at the end of the day, it is a gift and a curse where it's like uh, one side of it, you want to be in the top five, you want to get so close to the tower shot. The other side is like, what does it actually mean at this point? I mean, we've seen guys win fights being ranked number two, and they call out Nate Diaz, you guys want to fight in five years. And, and <laughs> you're sitting here thinking like, how do we legitimize these rankings when you have things like that taking place? And I can't understand it. So here I am fighting a guy right behind me yet again in order to get hopefully get posted to my spot. So here we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's – and I think in a way, like, I think that's why you carry so much respect in the industry, Neil, because, like, you were the guy when no one wanted to fight Hamzat, you were like, I'll fight Hamzat. Now with Shavkat, same kind of thing. He's saying no one wants to fight me. You can't get the guys to fight him. You're fighting Shavkat. Like, you're the guy who will do this. And I think that says a lot about your character. That For years, it was Usman. Like, Usman, when he was coming up, I remember talking to Kamara many times. He's like, I can't get these ranked guys to fight me. And if I remember correctly, you know, you're a guy, I'll fight anybody. I don't care who you are. Like, give them to me. I don't, I don't, I'm, there's no prejudice in my, in my world. Give me the fights. I feel like yeah. in a way, like when it's all said and done years from now, when you're retired and you're hanging out with your family and your kids and all that stuff, like, can you, I feel like you're a guy who's going to look back with pride to say, I never ducked anybody. I never turned down a fight. I sought out the guys other people wouldn't fight because I think that says a lot about your character and who you are as a fighter. For sure. That, that's a hundred percent the laziness of it for me. I mean, uh, for my own selfish desires, I want to leave UFC being a champion, but like uh, along the way, looking back, uh, even if I stop fighting tomorrow, looking back what I've done in my career so far, I'm not ashamed of it at all. And I'm very happy with the work that I've done so far. Um, so it's definitely not any regrets that I have um, five, six, seven years after retirement um, for what the kind of career that I've had. Um, just because I know what I put into it, I know the fights that I took, and I, took, I know the risks that I took. I mean, one of the five people um, all over the world in their own backyard, just like all these fights that most people would not take. I mean, going down to uh, South America and fighting Cosmedia, no one was willing to do that. Going out to uh, Brazil fighting Maya when he's in his prime, no one wants to do that. Like, you know what I mean? So um, going out there, it, I mean, fighting Kevin Gass from Mexico in two weeks' notice, five-rounder. Um, no one's willing to do those things. And I took those risks every single time. Um, and that's something I had my, my head proudly on and um, have no shame about it at all at the end of the day. Yeah. So let me ask you, before I get to Shavkat, let me ask you one more thing about Hamza, because that was a fight you wanted for such a long time. I thought it was going to happen. It just never came together. I, did you? Because it was right after, because again, we talked, you know, on March 26th, when you won your fight in Columbus, we talked to the post-fight presser. And even then you're like, I still want the Hamza fight. Um, of course, he went out there and got a big win over Gilbert Burns. Impressive, incredible fight. What did you think of, of Hamza's performance with Gilbert? Um, it was a great fight on both ends. I mean, Gilbert Burns showed a lot of uh, uh, grit in that fight. He, he put himself in a, a very like, – I thought it would be like him leading into just in that fight, but um, he stood his own against Hamza and was right there swinging shot for shot with him. So um, I was definitely impressed with both guys. I mean, um, the biggest takeaway from that fight, even watching it live, was like, I turned over and looked at my trampoline. I'm like, dude, this is the guy that you guys thought was invincible. Like, look how human he looks. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, in seeing Hamza fight Gilbert Burns, there was nothing that, like, necessarily stood out. He's like, oh, wow. Uh, I never thought he'd done that. Like, don't get me wrong. It was a great fight. The guy did well. I'm not hating him at all. But, like, um, seeing him in that fight against Gilbert and seeing how human he looked, uh, finally going against the top competition, um, this kind of let me notice what I've seen in him the entire time. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like this. Um, mystique character that everyone's trying to build around there. It's like, 
yeah, man, he's a man who bleeds just like I do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go out there and make him bleed. Watch this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that was the thought I had um, with wanting to fight Hamza. You know, after the fight, I was still the same way. I was like, all right, cool. Um, he went from, like, absorbing five shots in four fights to getting 119, 127 shots in one fight. So um, I, I definitely knew what I was capable of doing to fight with Hamza, and that's why I wanted to go out there and do it. But um, it, it's still there. The desire is still there. He's still undefeated, and I still want to go out there and test myself. He's undefeated guys. So um, here we go. Yeah. Is there any part of you that, that wishes you had been in the Gilbert Burns position though? Because I, you know, again, and Gilbert, you know, even I told Gilbert this after the fight, even though it was a loss and it was a very close fight, let's be honest, like that third round could have gone sure. either way. Um, I said, you know, listen, I understand it's a loss on your record and, and, and Gilbert's like, listen, it doesn't make me feel any better. But I said, I don't feel like you lose anything with that fight because it was such a great fight. And, you know, you showed a lot of what people wondered, you know, what Hamzat has in him. Is there any part of you that's like, man, I wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the guy to kind of expose him a little bit. Yeah, I mean, definitely a, a piece of that that goes into it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, everyone's afraid of that villain. Why can't we just be here that super sitting in the show? Like, oh, yeah, it wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So um, you definitely want to be that guy to go out there and um, – um, kind of puts these other guys to the test and show that you were the best welterweights out there. Um, so that desire to go out there and compete against a guy who had um, so much mystique about him, so much uh, uh, worry about him, and was undefeated, um, I definitely would want to go out there and test myself against a guy like that. So you still would like to see Hamzad at some point down the road? Oh, 100%. It's not off the table yet. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I love that mentality. Now, again, the other guy, the other prospect, let's say, the other guy in the division who's coming up undefeated, lots of big knockouts, all those kind of things, he isn't getting the same kind of attention because, let's be honest, Shavkat Rachmanov is not a guy who's going on speaking English and saying, I'm going to smash everybody. You know, Hamzat has the benefit of that to where he kind of got the publicity also from, you know, fighting twice in 10 days. And then, you know, kind of having that, you know, that little bit of that Khabib mentality where he's like, I'm going to smash everybody. Okay. Shavkat doesn't have that, but he definitely has the resume in terms of what he's done in his fight so far. You could fight another top 10 guy, maybe a guy who's, you know, three and two in his last five, uh, you know, whatever. Is there a bigger benefit of fighting a guy like Shavkat, much like fighting, uh, much like fighting Hamzat, undefeated, all the hype in the world? Maybe he doesn't have the ranking, but everyone's buzzing about him. Like, is there sometimes more to gain from a fight like this? Um, for me personally, hundred percent. I mean, he's a guy that's coming up. He's undefeated. He's the young guy. He has way more fights ahead of him than I do. Like, you know what I mean? So to go out there and test myself against the best of the best right now uh, is the thing that drives me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I go to the gym day in and day out. Uh, and I try to bring out the best of myself and going out there and test myself against a, a, a young undefeated fighter is definitely the most motivating thing I can do. Um, because, like, the opposite has happened throughout my career as well. Like, I've beaten literally every single UFC champion uh, since Jordan Sleep here, with the exception of uh, the current champion and Tyre Woodley. Um, and after those fights, it was the same kind of thing. Like, oh, whatever. Those guys are over the hill. So like you're telling me Robbie Lauder's over the hill. You go there and fight Robbie Lauder and tell me how that feels. <laughs> uh, like, you know what I mean? So, like, um, at this point of my career, I'm like, I, I literally do not care um, about rankings, about this, about that. If it's the – the records kind of carry more weight than the rankings to a certain extent. Like, if a guy's undefeated and fighting UFC, that dude's legit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, um, um, it, it, there's a lot of tough fighters in UFC right now, and um, the rankings don't always tell that story. Um, so getting going against a young undefeated fighter in UFC, um, I feel like that definitely makes a bigger statement than um, some of these guys who maybe rank a little bit higher than he is or whatever else it may be. Yeah. Now, with that being said, Neil, you said it with Hamza. You said when you looked at Hamza, you didn't see this monster, this invincible force of nature 
you saw ways you could beat him. You saw ways you could analyze and say, I could go out there and beat this guy. And, and again, we're not putting it past you to be the guy to maybe hand him his first defeat. That being said, when you look at Shavkat, he's got a little bit more tape on him than, than Hamzad did because Hamzad had been in the, you know, been in the cage for like six minutes of total time and had absorbed one strike. And again, let's be honest, you know, like a couple of his, his first couple of opponents, you know, were out of the UFC right after he fought them. So maybe he didn't have a great test in those first couple of fights. We have a little bit more on Shavkat. Now he's had, you know, some big finishes and things like that. And he's looked incredible. But when you look at him, do you see the same kind of thing where you look at him and say, yeah, he's looked great. I mean, you know, credit to him getting the big knockouts, but this is going to be his first test. This is going to be his first legitimate test and going in there and you see ways to beat him the same way you saw ways to beat Hamzad. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, uh, I mean, you, you watch some of these guys, you see these guys, I mean, there's not a welterweight out there who I haven't seen fight and haven't thought in my back of my mind, like, oh, I wonder how this fight would play out. Like, you know what I mean? So, um, so, so before this fight, he was in August, I mean, it was already a guy that was on my radar. Like, all right, this guy's um, doing some things in the division. I'm sure there'll be a fight to make down the road here. Um, that road just came up a lot quicker than I thought it would. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, I definitely see some uh, kicks in armor, so to speak, and definitely see um, several ways I can go out there and beat him. Do you ever take it personally that you – that guys try to build their name off of you because you are the guy, you are a veteran, you are a top 10 fighter. And because you mentioned earlier, like you said, like, you know, they'll call you out because they know you'll take the fight. Like you're not the guy who's going to say, no, you're not ranked high enough. You know, you're not big enough. I'm going to fight, you know, the number eight guy. Like you're not, you're not good. You've never been that guy, but does it ever, do you ever take it personal that people are trying to build their, like going into this fight, let's be honest. There's going to be a lot of buzz about him. He's undefeated. He's the next big thing. We love this narrative in our sport, Neil. We do. We just love it. And I get it. I do. I get it. I understand the the novelty of it. I really do. Everyone's undefeated at one time until they lose. I mean, that's just how it works. But do you ever take it personal to, like, you know, this guy thinks he's going to build his name off of beating Neil Magny? No, I mean, to a certain extent, it's almost like a badge of honor. I mean, uh, spending seven years in the Army, like, you, you see that old uh, that old rusty vet out there. The guy that's, like, did five tours to Iraq, four tours to Afghanistan. And, like, that's the dude, like, that's the most badass dude in the unit. And you look at him, like, damn, dude, that guy's seen some stuff. Like, you look at him, and you kind of, like, admire that guy, so to speak. Um, and the fight game, for me, is no different. Like, being the guy that these, these young dudes think that they're going to make their name off of, for me, that's motivating. There's, there's something about that that says, like, um, damn, I did enough in my career to, to this point that these guys think like, all right, this is the next big test for me. This is the next thing that could like probably take my career to the next level, so to speak. Um, so being that that person that stands in the cups of that, and like that 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 that, that, that kind of hill that kind of takes someone over to the next part of their career. Um, for me, like, there's no like bitterness in that in me about that at all. I mean. You want to be the guy that these young guys want to fight. Like I guarantee you, Chuck Nice Griffin for this uh, for his last fight, he was probably riding cloud nine. Like, oh wow, I'm fighting so and so. I'm fighting a top ten guy. I'm fighting this and fighting that. There were all these things that he was laying out before that fight. So um, being in a position where these guys think they go out there and make a name of me, um, it does not bother me one bit. I mean, if anything, it probably motivates me more um, because I'm more so sitting back, like, all right, cool. You think it's be that easy? Come on, come on and get it. Come and try it out. And see what it's about. Yeah, and you've been there before when guys try to do that, and you've been there when it doesn't work uh, because you you are the guy who doesn't go away. You know, you're the guy who will, you know, maybe you, maybe you, like the Max Griffin fight, great start for him. Then you just ran it out. You ran it out of him. Like, you, you, you know, he had that moment in the first round, and then you just ran it out of him. 
and you kind of broke him in that moment. Like, do you love that feeling of like, you know, when, when it doesn't work, when he doesn't go out there and get that quick knockout, when he doesn't go out there and just, you know, steamroll somebody, do you like that mentality of going out there and kind of breaking him a little bit? Because I feel like you're the, I almost feel like we need to, I know you have a nickname. I don't want to ruin your nickname, but I feel like you need to be, I feel like you need to be nicknamed the unbreakable Neil Magny because you're just a guy who doesn't go away. Yeah, I mean, I, dude, I, I freaking love it. Like, you said a nice urine fight. You said it perfectly. I, I, in that fight, I realized the moment that he broke. Um, and most of the time in a fight, that happens when you're the guy opposing your will. Like, he got that knockdown early on, and he chose not to engage. And at that point, I realized, like, okay, cool. Um, I see what the game plan is here. Um, he's not necessarily looking to, like, go out there and, like, literally do what it takes to put me away. Um, he's okay. He's content with, like, riding it out um, and, and just kind of point fight from here. Um, so making that adjustment and realizing it's like, all right, cool. This is a guy I know for a fact I can break in this fight. Um, and I would have to adjust that. I mean, you literally see a guy at the end of the fight, um, laying in the corner, head down, that kind of thing. Uh, see him backstage, icing every part of his body. You're like, all right, cool. I I, I did my job. I did what we're also supposed to go out there and do. Um, these young dudes, when it comes to these fights, they want to say, hey, I'm going to go out there and knock his head off. Please come out there and try to do just that. I hope you're manual working. You actually try to do that because it makes my job a lot easier um, being able to bring the fight to you. Um, and that's exciting. That's the kind of exciting matchup that I like going into. Yeah, I, I love this fight. And again, you know, in all sincerity, Neil, you know, you fight everybody. Like you said, you've kind of fought every great welterweight. Now, again, like me personally, like, I loved when you got the Robbie Lawler fight because that's kind of like one of those, much like the, the car, the Conda fight, like those fights, those kind of legend fights where you get to prove yourself against the established veterans, but I'm not going to lie. I thought, and I thought you should have got the Hamza fight. I thought that was a perfect fight to make. And it would have made a lot of sense based on the timing and, and based on where he was in the division. And weirdly, I do like this because as good as Shavkat has looked and he has looked incredible, he's not really been tested by that level of welterweight. You are that level of welterweight. We know that. So we're going to find out how real this guy is. Uh, and I kind of like, cause like I said, and I, I don't want to name names. I'm not going to, I don't want to disrespect anyone in the, in the welterweight rankings, but there are guys around you in the rankings where I would say, honestly, right now, Neil, you'll, you'll get more from fighting Shavkat right now than you would get fighting them. I don't, I, am I wrong? I don't, th I don't think I'm wrong. I mean, I've sat on the couch eight months before fighting uh, Max Griffin and have gotten absolutely nothing for it. So um, if, if anything, rather than fighting Shavkat, there's a lot more for me to sit on the couch for another eight months. I mean, um, I know for a fact some of these guys are going to sit out and wait for the perfect movement, this kind of thing. Um, and I'm just not one of those guys. I mean, if, that's, if that method works for you, more power to you. I'm a guy that goes out there works for everything he has. And um, me going out there fighting Shamjat is, is literally me doing just that. I know what this fight brings for uh, for me, my family, my my legacy, and everything else like that. Uh, and I'm going out there to make sure all those things uh, take place. Now, this fight is in June. I can't remember. And forgive me because I didn't look it up right before we spoke. This Is this a, this is a three-round fight? Yeah, so three-round fight, June 25th. Okay, so this should be a five-round fight is what I'm saying. This should be a main event. I'm saying, like, it should be a main event because I feel like you're a guy, you get stronger as the rounds go on. I think we've all talked about one of your biggest weapons is your ability to push the pace and, and people can't go with you for that long. I mean, we remember the, the, the Kelvin fight on short two weeks notice what you did to Kelvin in that short notice fight. Um, is there any part of you that's kind of like, man, I wish this was five rounds? 
Um, part of me does like I mean the the five round of main event definitely carries a little more notoriety for my part. But um, at the end of the day, it's like all right, I have 15 minutes to break this guy. Uh, if he makes the 15 minutes, great. But like, uh, what can I do to within that 15 minutes to make sure I absolutely break this dude? Um, and I think 15 minutes is more than enough time to get it done. So um, it's up to me to go out there and get the fight started early and bring the fights to him right away. Yeah, it's an, it's a really intriguing matchup. And uh, again, I think this is the moment where we're going to find out how real this guy is because he has looked great, but uh, we all know you're a different animal, Neil, and, and you're not a guy who's going to bow down for anybody. And I love that about you. Um, and I think that is a mentality that we don't see as much in the sport, maybe because we do, again, you know, we talk about like the unfortunate side of the rankings, people protecting their spot in the division, all those kind of things. And again, to a certain point, I understand it. But, uh, you know, as I said, I'm just going to start calling you the unbreakable Neil Magny because I think that's the perfect nickname <laughs> for you because you're not a guy who goes away. You're not going to bow down for anybody. Uh, and I love that mentality. I love that as, you know, again, you're not going to ever be the biggest talker. You're never going to become, you know, Conor McGregor on the microphone. But no one's going to walk through Neil Magny. No one ever has, and I don't think anyone ever will. Yeah, 100% exactly, exactly, exactly how I feel and exactly see my career. I mean, um, I have a come up show my career, sure, plenty of times. Uh, but at the end of the day, I'm not a guy that's going to go with ease. I'm not a, a guy that's like, uh, for lack of better words, I'm not a soft dude. I'm not one of the dudes that's kind of lays over and like, uh, uh, and just kind of just takes it like, that way. I'm a guy that's going to bring the fight to you. Uh, do whatever I can to make it exciting. So um, I'm excited to go out there and test myself against uh, young undefended fighters. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, Neil, thank you as always for taking the time. You know, I appreciate it. I uh, have a good training camp out in Colorado. Uh, and I'm sure it's going to be, hopefully the weather's getting a little bit nicer as the, uh, as the summer's getting closer and uh, enjoy training camp, man. Cannot wait to see you back in June. And thank you as always for the time. You know, I appreciate it. Awesome. Pleasure talking to you as well. How are you doing? Hey, talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to 1500 bucks if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. 
That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. A big thank you to Neil Magny for stopping by. Love that dude's willingness to fight the fights that no one else ever seems to want. I really enjoy that. And uh, again, you know, win, lose, or draw, the dude goes out there and fights his ass off. And you got to love what Neil Magny brings to the sport. He's a guy, you know, much like, uh, you know, I, I've praised Bilal Muhammad multiple times for being a guy who has constantly called out Hamzat Chemaev when it seemed like nobody was calling out Hamzat Chemaev and he continues to call out Hamzat Chemaev. Neil Magny was the original. He's the guy who said, give me Hamzat Chemaev. I'll absolutely fight Hamzat Chemaev. Give him to me tomorrow. I'll fight Hamzat Chemaev. I love Neil Magny's willingness to fight anyone, anytime, anywhere, uh, even when the situation doesn't necessarily favor him or even when the situation doesn't necessarily uh, offer him as much reward, uh, you know, giving, you know, putting his ranking up against a guy who's maybe out of the rankings or, or a guy who's on the fringe of the rankings or whatever the case may be. You're never going to hear Neil Magny trying to protect his spot by turning down fights. That's just not who he is. And you got to love that about the guy. All right, right now we're going to talk to my next guest. He is one of the top bantamweight fighters in the world, and he is returning to action on August 20th at UFC 278 for a big-time matchup against former featherweight champion Jose Aldo. Again, I've never actually had a chance to speak to this guy, so I'm super excited to get him on the show and talk to him about his upcoming fight uh, that just got announced. So let's talk right now to Marab Dewalishvili. He is one of the top bantamweight fighters in the world, and his fight just got announced August 20th. UFC 278, he takes on the legend Jose Aldo. I am excited to speak to Marab Dualishvili. Marab, thank you for taking the time for me. I appreciate it. Let's go. Yes, no problem. So you uh, you had to wait for a long time to finally find an opponent, somebody willing to step up and fight you, and you get a legend in Jose Aldo. How excited were you to get that fight offer? Uh, it's amazing. I wasn't accepting this. Uh, Jose Aldo, he's a legend, and I was thinking everybody else, but not him. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, so UFC gave me gave me him for my next opponent, and I'm ready to go. He, I, he's just he's just uh, another fighter, another opponent for me, and I'm just ready. Like it's nothing. Just I'm just gonna go and fight hard, and it's like we we gotta show people a good fight, and that's that's that that will be. Absolutely, you know I know that you know when you were waiting for an opponent, you know I imagine it got a little frustrating, right? Like you were trying to get somebody ranked, you're trying to get a good name. Like was it was it getting frustrating? Were you getting a little irritated, kind of waiting for a fight? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I was a little bit uh, after I'll just fight. I was a little bit stressed because I. I, I don't have motivation like because I was training and I don't have an opponent to who, who I, everybody was getting fight but like nobody was saying my name and like nobody told me to like you I mean you fighting six months later or you fighting you know I was just waiting and then like wasn't any news and uh, yeah because uh, yeah so I was ready but now it's all the it was worth it to wait you know absolutely um, now it's, yeah 
let me let me ask you know when when Aljo right before Aljo's fight got announced with uh, TJ Dillashaw. Now I know the fight's not officially done yet. He talked about he hasn't signed the contract, but it looks like he's going to fight TJ Dillashaw. He had actually said on Joe Rogan's show, he said, you know, Jose Aldo is probably the toughest matchup, you know, in this division. Jose Aldo is you know, looking really good in a way like, is this like the, the best possible fight you could get? Because a lot of people believe Jose Aldo probably, you know, in a way probably deserved the title shot over TJ. I don't know how you feel about it, but I mean, Jose has been on a great streak lately. Yeah, yeah. I think he deserved title fight too. But yeah, I don't know. UFC ch- choice to give TJ Dillashaw fight. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with uh, Aljo. I think Jose Aldo deserved more. And uh, I know also Aljo once fight with legend like Jose Aldo. Uh, and um, but like I don't know. Like this is uh, UFC give me this fight. So uh, let's see. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to fight and like make uh, my team and my country proud and my all my people, whatever. So this is another fight. This is my job to win. Josie Aldo's job to win. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Like, uh, we'll see. You know, I know, you know, Marab, you know, there's a possibility of having a fight with a little bit of bad blood. Like, I thought you and Peter Jan was the fight to make. I thought that would be a big fight. Of course, you know, you training with Aljo, getting him ready. I thought you and Peter Jan would be a great fight. Uh, you know, Henry Cejudo coming back, that's another one. I know he's got a little bit more of a delay because he has to go through the testing and everything coming out of retirement. But again, he likes to talk a lot. He likes to, you know, go crazy. But Jose is such a respectful guy. You know he's not going to say a bad word about you. He's not going to say a bad word about your team or anything else like that. Like, do you like that better, having an opponent who is very respectful and, and just a legend versus a guy who you know is going to probably try to trash talk you or, you know, say crazy things to get the fight amped up? Like, do you have, do you prefer one over the other? Hey, man, I have a legend opponent, Josie Aldo, and uh, this is this is perfect for me. Why do we have to talk trash? You know, like, he's legend. I have respect to him. And then, he, you know, he, he thinks he's, uh, I mean, he's, He's, he's the best and he's gonna try to kick my ass and uh, uh, but we'll see so you know it's like we don't have to we don't have to like like he he's the best you know he don't do anything bad for me like he's just my opponent and this is just sport we're gonna go and fight each other but uh, like Peter Ian he's a piece of shit and uh, <laughs> and that's you know like uh, you know like uh, whatever just i don't want to talk about him you know he's just he's in he's in russia and uh, i hope he gets locked there and never come here us you know (laughs) (laughs) but with with aldo i mean you know aldo aldo is such a legend i mean the guy's been around forever you could argue the greatest featherweight of all time he and his last three wins he's looked so good beating cheeto vera beating rob font uh, again, you know, you could argue he's, you know, he's a, he's a better opponent than anyone he could get right now because he's on a win streak. And, uh, again, I mean, talk about adding a legend to the resume. There's not much bigger than Jose Aldo. The guy is a guaranteed hall of famer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, hey man, like I'm just blessed, like thank God and thank UFC and thank everybody. Thank my team. And like uh, this is like really dream where we are now. And uh, like this is like for me, it's like really another fight. Like yeah, like maybe a couple months ago or couple years ago, I cannot even imagine like where I am now. But 
uh, step by step we are here and uh, we are proving uh, we are we are we doing everything right and we just fighting and uh, working hard with my team absolutely so, and uh, so let me let me ask you, Marab. You know, I don't want to. I don't try to get too much into like fight breakdown stuff, game plan or anything. But of course, everyone knows you have such a tremendous wrestling background. Your grappling is second to none, and you also have some of the most vicious ground and pound in this sport. We saw it in your fight, you know, with Marlon Marias, the way you have some just nasty, devastating ground and pound. If there's one thing you can say about Jose Aldo, incredible striker, but he's not spent a lot of time getting wrestled. It's tough to wrestle a guy like Jose Aldo. Do you look forward to that kind of a challenge? You know, that, that guy like a Jose Aldo who is, you know, incredible striker, tough to take down, and uh, and, and you know what he's coming in to do. You know he's coming in to kick your legs off and, and try to knock you out. That's I mean, I would be shocked if he goes for like a flying arm bar in this fight, Marab. I'd be, I'd be shocked if that's his game plan. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's gonna try to keep a stand up, and I, he's black belt jujitsu also. Like you know, like uh, yeah, even I, you know, listen, he he's good striker. We all know he's he kicks hard, and or he defends wrestling. Like he he's not. It's hard to it's hard to take him down, and even if you take him down, he's a great jujitsu. He will get up, or he will try to attack submission. So. Like I have to fight everywhere. I have to be smart, and I have to I have to show, like everybody that I can fight everywhere. So, I think yeah, uh, you know, like uh, everybody thinks that yeah, I'm a more grappler, whatever. But I can I, I strike. You know, I just don't like get punch in my face too much. <laughs> so then, yeah, I can I can keep it up with Jose Aldo, and I can I can throw punch and whatever. Like I but you know. Uh, I'm ready for every position, you know, he's legend and I'm just, you know, when once he's going to touch me and I'll be, you know, I'll be mad. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's kind of funny, like you get up for the challenge, right? Like he is an, he is an incredibly tough challenge, but that just makes you work that much harder to get ready for him. Right. Definitely. Yes. So let me ask, uh, I mentioned, of course, that it looks like it's going to be your teammate, Aljamain Sterling, taking on TJ Dillashaw. And I know that's a fight that I think a lot of people are looking forward to. Uh, I'm curious. I know, of course, you're going to pick your teammate, Aljamain Sterling, to win that fight. And I actually like Aljamain to win that fight as well. Uh, I think TJ lost to Corey Sanhagen. Just being honest, I thought he lost that fight. Uh, so I was not, you know, I was not one of the people saying he should have got a title shot. But it is what it is. He got the title shot. Okay. Um, how do you see that fight playing out? I know you're going to pick Aljamain, but but how how do you think Aljamain beats him? I just don't see how TJ can touch Aljamain standing every anywhere. Like even striking, Aljo is so tall. You know, like, and if he wants, Aljo wants, Aljo, if Aljo keep a strikes, you know, like we all see like Aljo versus Pedro Muniz fight, Jimmy Rivera fight, you know, Aljo, Aljo can, can strike with, like Aljo stand up is very good. Even, even he, even first round with uh, Peter Jan, like, like the second fight, like he was like, he was like back up, like walking, back, well, walking. He was walking backward, but he was winning fights. So, so Aljo is good, you know, stand up. And if if Aljo and they if they hit that ground, and Aljo will submit him or take his back and like make him miserable. So uh, yeah, I Aljo wins all day because I don't see I you know Aljo is tall, strong. You know, TJ. Yeah, he has a fast hand moving, but you know, 
But yeah, what was what's he's gonna do? What's he's gonna do? <laughs> yeah. I'll do Peter Yan dominate, you know. I'll do you know, Peter Yan. I think he's a good, 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 good fighter now in my our records. TJ Dillashaw is good, but I think he's not this much good, like to keep it up with Aljo. Yeah. How do you feel about, you know, again, this is not your business because you're, you know, it's, it's your teammate fighting him, but there's so much being made about TJ coming back from the suspension and, and, you know, no matter what he does in his career, you know, we're always going to talk about, you know, when he cheated. I mean, you just can't ignore it. How do you feel about that, Murad? Because, you know, a lot of people say, well, why is he getting this opportunity, you know, one fight after he cheated? And, you know, you wonder, like, should he have done more? And I, again, I know, you know, you're going to get your teammate ready and, and all those kind of How do you feel about that? Because a lot, I know a lot of people don't like to fight guys who have cheated. They, they worry, are you still cheating? What do we have to wear? Like, do you do you worry about that with opponents? I mean, not, obviously, I don't, I don't think you're going to worry about it with Jose Aldo, but I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Because it is it is a real issue with a guy like TJ and, and, and you know, some other guys in the sport as well. Yeah, I hate cheaters and uh, shame on him. Um, he yeah, he was like, this is this is the sport. Like 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 he like we punch people in the face and then like you know like if you cheat and you get some steroids or something and you punch me in the punch me in the face so you're not a normal man you are a monster so you can give me damage it's not like play soccer or maybe like so you know you can you know you can whatever so you can give me damage and like life life changing damage so i hit cheaters and especially these sports like and most people uh, we are clean we are coming from like a like humble family, like from nothing. And we, we all get here from hard work. So, but yeah, I hit like the, that kind of stuff, like cheater, but like whatever. So now he has a big name, he, he's been champion. So the UFC gave him title shot. Like now it's like, well, whatever. We have to just get ready. You know, he's definitely um, uh, uh, good fighter, but I don't think he, he can like, um, uh, keep up with Aljo. Aljo will win this one much easy, uh, and then other fights, I think. And uh, yeah, so whatever. Just it's gonna be uh, another defend the belt for Aljo, and then I'll be just happy for him. You know, it's it's. I think it's yeah, it's much easier than just the other fight. I think I don't know. So I think whatever. So I'm just gonna enjoy watch Aljo's fight. How to how to make. Uh, uh, how to give lesson cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Murat, you know, of course you and Aljamain have both said numerous times, there's no chance. There's no world. You guys will ever fight each other. I know Aljamain has said he'll go up to featherweight before he'll fight you, you know, and let you become champion. And you said you'll never fight him while he is champion. I am curious though, you guys train all the time and you guys spar all the time. Now I went down to American top team a few years ago and I got to see Dustin Poirier and George Masvidal spar. Now they'll never fight each other. They're very good friends, but I got to watch them spar for three rounds and boy, was that fun watching them spar for three rounds in the gym. So tell me, what are your sparring sessions with Aljamain like? You guys will never fight, but what are those sparring sessions like in the gym between you two? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sparring with Aljama is definitely never fun, you know. I, that <laughs> that guy always makes me humble, you know. He's the monster. He's champion for a reason. He's like hard worker, so smart. Like you guys can watch his podcast, how he uh, like uh, 
talks about fighting, how he's like, he, he has best knowledge about, I mean, he's, he's teaching us like a wrestling class, like some grappling, MMA grappling. And uh, so like, like I'll just, just um, like I, every time I sparring with him, I'm so like pumped up, like I'm like a fight, you know, like because I go with everybody else, I can I can relax, I can do my thing, like try new thing. With Aljo, I always I have to go hard. It's never fun, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, like he makes me humble every time. Yeah, it's funny because everyone, you know, because you are one of the best bantamweights in the world, and of course he is the champion, everyone says, well, you guys have to fight eventually. And I understand you guys aren't going to fight, but how good is it to have Aljamain as your main training partner as you're getting ready for Jose Aldo or Mar Marlon Marias, whoever you're fighting, and then same thing with you. Like, as he's getting ready for TJ Dillashaw, you're going to be a huge part of his game. We're talking about two of the best bantamweights in the world working together. Like, that's a great problem to have, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's of course. It's a. Uh, it's it's yeah. It's not a problem. It's like I just blessed, you know. Like because of him, that's where I am now, and then I'm really appreciate to Aljo where I am. So and then without him, I won't be here because he, everything like you know, like um, watching watching how he trainings, how he do things, and uh, uh, he's. I tell you, he 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 started like you know we have a great great coach like striking coach Ray Longo and then Jiu Jitsu Metzera, but like uh, like MMA it's not only kickboxing and Jiu Jitsu you know it's like there is so many uh, like so many like uh, things to transfer to like MMA like you know like like so many like ground game or something and uh, I learned from Aljo all this and. Uh, yeah, he, um, yeah, man, I just, this is the best that I have a like teammate like him and a friend yeah. and brother. Yeah, I, I love that you guys are a family like that because, you know, again, when you become champion, you know, you become the hunted. You know, he has the target on his back because he is the best in the world. But I love that you guys say that we're not going to fight. We're never going to fight. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll fight other people. One of us, you know, and when Aljo is done being champion, you can become champion. Like, I love that because you guys make each other better. Like Aljo wouldn't be where he's at without you and you wouldn't be where you're at without him. And I, I love that. I love that friendship that, you know, some things are bigger than fights, right? Some things are bigger than money. Some things are bigger than titles. Yes, for sure. So now let me, uh, let me ask you this because I was on your Instagram and I saw, I think it was when you guys were in Georgia because you had, uh, Al Jermaine and Ally Quinta went to Georgia with you, correct? Yes. Uh, last so, year, last summer. When you posted a video with you guys swimming upstream, you know what I'm talking about? When you guys were jumping, I think it was in the river and you yeah. guys were swimming upstream. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong. Did it look like you almost lost Ally Aquinta at one point? Because it looked like he was kind of falling behind in that race a little bit. No, no, the video it's cut. Like actually, I was like, like it, the video it's cut, cut a couple of times, and like it's different, like different, like different parts of video. Like you know, it's like I don't know, like I. Like some people don't get it. Some people think that we like, and then the no, no, no. It's like <laughs> that was just fun. Like we all did good. We we was trying to all like uh, make to top, and then the, when you make top the like the river, you can just 
put your leg to the rocks and then the, all these water gives you a massage, you know, <laughs> and then you get stuck there and then like the water, like, like you, like it's, it's amazing. But then if you, if you don't hold yourself, if you don't, if you miss your leg and then the water just take you down, you know, like that just brings you whatever. So this is the, the river uh, called Sulori. It's like my small village name. And uh, that's where I grow up and I was swimming all summer long. And um, yeah, this is just natural, organic. Like then the the water is so so clean. You can drink. It's <laughs> it's like it's amazing. I was getting tired just watching you guys swimming because that current was no joke. Like it was definitely flowing, and you guys are you know three high level UFC athletes, and you guys were swimming hard to stay on that current. That looked like no joke right there. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was so fun. Good workout. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Before, before before we drink lots of wines. So. <laughs> I love it. Uh, real quick before I get you out of here, Marab, I know that the fight is still a little ways away. Of course, in our in August, I know you do travel a lot with Aljo and your team. I know you train in Vegas. You train in New York. Do you know where you're going to spend the majority of this training camp? Or are you going to be traveling a lot? Or are you going to stay in New York? Like, where, where are you going to be training mostly when you get ready for for Joe? Aldo. Yeah, I think uh, we will go. Uh, we will. Uh, uh, we, we will be in Vegas because it's much easier because UFCPI there is uh, more training partners here in Vegas, and um, Aldo will be here too because he's getting ready for TJ Dillashaw show fight in September. So we will be together here in Vegas, and uh, we will just training to each other spying to each other and we were like we also training with other other guys too and then uh yeah it, this is much easier because new york uh it's uh, i have so many good friends and family members and like even georgian big community lives there in brooklyn it's not that far and every time every weekend or every day something happening and they always every time you invite me restaurant or like do this and then some some people need like like something help or something, you know, like simple. I, I always would love to go do things, but, and then the, the waste my time. And sometimes I am late to training. Sometimes I miss training because then I'm in Vegas. I'm more focused. I have, I know less people here. And then it's um, just, just for, it's, it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a best way. Good, good place to like just focus on training, you know. Then, then not not worry for like uh, like other things, like because uh, because this is like this sport. You need to you need to like training and relax, you know. Like because otherwise, uh, if you like, I I'm not young anymore, you know. I used to have a party. I used to go everywhere. I used to like uh, like not not go sleep and work and like still i was still training and still fighting but now i feel like a little <laughs> a little old i gotta slow down a little bit you know like <laughs> i gotta do anything for you know it's not a joke anymore yeah no i understand like, i understand like, is this is this is unreal i'm fighting Jose Aldo, so I, I gotta take it serious you know because <laughs> yeah like it's like uh, looks like a dream but yeah, and I assume I assume Aljamain will be in your corner, and then you'll go and be in his corner in September. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean Aljo will be my corner for sure. If you like, you know, like it's like only twenty days before or his fight, and if uh, if uh, yeah, I think if he's yeah, 
yeah, he will be my corner, and uh, yeah, most likely I'll be his corner or I'll be his locker room, anyways, like to train. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Marab, it's a pleasure to speak with you. I really do appreciate the time. I'm very glad you got this fight. I think you deserve it. I'm glad you got a big fight. Jose Aldo is a legend. I love this matchup. Cannot wait for August 20th. Have a great training camp. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I look forward to catching up with you again in the future. Thank you so much, man. God bless. All the best. Talk to you soon. Okay, thank you so much. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Marab Dewalishvili, what a great time talking to him. Cannot wait for August 20th. That card's going to be great. Kamar Usman, Leon Edwards, too. Of course, you also got Luke Rockhold taking on Paulo Costa on that card. Should be a really fun night of fights going back, uh, going to Salt Lake City, Utah for a pay-per-view. That's um, interesting. Interesting choice. It's going to be good. I think the crowd's going to be lively. And uh, I've, I've only been to Utah one time. My senior year of high school went camping on the northern part of Utah, so I've never actually been to Salt Lake City. I actually know people from Salt Lake City, from that area. Uh, big sports town, of course. Utah Jazz always do really, really well there. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of crowd uh, they draw for a pay-per-view. And uh, we've seen, you know, since the UFC has come back and been putting on fights in front of audiences in the uh, in the pandemic era, the crowds have shown up. The ticket sales have been out, you know, uh, through the roof. So I expect uh, Salt Lake City will be no different. Uh, interesting card, of course. You know, Kamar Usman, number one pound-for-pound -pound fighter in the world, rightfully so. Uh, take it on Leon Edwards in a rematch after he uh, put on a pretty dominant performance against Leon the first time, but Leon has since gone undefeated in his last 10 fights. A really interesting matchup there. Uh, Luke Rockhold, Paulo Costa, that's a really interesting matchup as well. Luke Rockhold coming off a long, long layoff and taking on one of the uh, nastiest knockout artists and one of the guys with uh, one of the best chins in the middleweight division. And let's be honest, bit of a troublemaker guy, you know, struggled to make weight last time, started wanting to fight a heavyweight before it was over with Marvin Vittori. Uh, some other things going on in his life, but when he steps into the cage, you know, whatever, uh, whatever other, you know, uh, there's a word I'd like to use here. I won't use, but uh, whatever craziness is going on with Paulo Costa outside the cage, uh, he pretty much always steps in there and puts on a, a phenomenal fight and uh, has a lot of fun in there doing it. Uh, the only time he's ever kind of blanked a fight was when he fought for the title against Adesanya. Outside of that, he's always been fun, always been exciting. So that's an interesting matchup. So yeah, looking forward to UFC 278 in August. All right, folks, we're going to get out of here. want to say a big thank you to both of my guests, Neil Magny and uh, Marab Dewalishvili. Uh, definitely appreciate them stopping by the show. Uh, next week, we'll be previewing UFC 276 going into the pay-per-view with Israel Adesanya taking on uh, Jared Cannonier in the main event. Also got Alexander Volkanovsky and Max Holloway in the co-main event. Sean O'Malley's coming back on that card. Really, really fun fight card next, uh, next pay-per-view on July 2nd, so stay tuned for that on next week's episode of The Fighter versus The Rider. Want to say a big thank you to everyone that tunes in each and every week to the show. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, and, of course, over on MMAfighting.com. I'm Damon Martin. We'll see you next week for another edition of The Fighter versus The Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Anthropic. 